Kopitiam Conversations. Hello and welcome to Kopitiam Conversations. Kopitiam Conversations is a podcast which discusses diverse topics such as work, life, music, art and culture, day-to-day challenges and everything it takes to help us stay sane within the daily 24-hour cycles. My name is Winston and this is episode one. Each episode will feature a guest from various walks of life and profession. For our inaugural episode, my guest is Lawrence Chan. Lawrence Chan is an advertising, marketing and branding expert with over 30 years experience. On graduation from college, he was selected to join Ogilvy and Mathers management training program where, of course, he aced it, graduated top of the class. Over the years, Lawrence rose through the ranks, gaining experience as a copywriter, creative group head, creative director, brand consulting director and CEO in advertising branding agencies like Low Lintas, Wings BBDO, Food Cone and Belding, Grey Worldwide, Inter-Pacific Communications and the Brands Group Singapore. After 20 years in advertising and marketing, Lawrence branched into branding and brand consulting. He has led rebranding and brand development assignments for Bank Niaga Indonesia, Guthrie Property Holdings, Bank Islam, MKH Berhad, Trinity Group, Putrajaya Holdings, OCBC Islamic Bank, Sam Dhabi Properties and Morton Berhad. He's an active speaker at branding, marketing and advertising seminars. He has delivered papers at regional conferences in Beijing, Jakarta, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur and Yangon. During his years in advertising and branding, Lawrence was actively teaching as an adjunct lecturer in IACT College. Today, Lawrence is a Chief Experience Officer for the Brickfields Asia College Education Group. Welcome, Lawrence. Thank you. Thank you, Vincent, for the nice, warm welcome. I didn't know all those years translated into so much to say. Total of 30 I years? Counted yeah. 30 plus years, I counted. You know, it was about 22 years in advertising. Then I branched out into brand consulting and actively doing brand consulting for about 12 years. Right. And then uh, I put the consultancy uh, in a back burner and I joined ISCT College. And uh, I have plans of going back, you know. Yeah. So it's about 39 years of work, of which 30, 30, 32 were 30, no, 34 uh, um, in uh, advertising and in branding. All right. Does your current employers know about this? <laughs> oh, yes, yes. They know about my plans. They know ah, about my okay. plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I won't pry too much into that yet, just in case any of the students come across these videos, they'll start <laughs> asking you. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So 30 years of ex- 30 plus 39 years of experience you mentioned. All right. Um, how did you get started yes, in correct. this industry? All right. Was it something you wanted to do all along or something you fell into, try, try a bit, and then you fell in love with it? Or, you know, back at the time, was it out of necessity? Oh, well, um, actually, you know, my, my first encounters with uh, advertising was when I used to watch the movies and there would be uh, amazing commercials for Couvasier, the, the brandies and for, for, for all the beer commercials and, right. and there were automobile commercials. And I really liked what I saw. I used to really go to the movies early and watch those commercials. And I thought, well, I, I'd like to do that. And mm. um, when I was in my, I was sitting for my final exams. I was going through the papers. I mean, they had a huge classified section then. Right. Uh, when I was going through the papers, I, 
actually saw an ad by Ogilvy and it was a quotation with a David Ogilvy's picture right at the top of the classifieds. It says, um, rules are for the guidance of wise men and for the obedience of fools. That is a David Ogilvy <laughs> classic. So with his him and his pipe and a picture, and then they said, Ogilvy and Meta, Malaysia's largest uh, advertising agency, looking for more wise men to join their team uh, and so on okay. and so forth. So I wrote in and uh, I, I got selected out of 500. There were six of us who were selected yeah, to join uh, as the management trainees. Six uh, out of 500. Wow. Yes. yes. Uh, they didn't expect so many um, uh, applicants because uh, I think it was the way the ad was written and, and uh, they selected... They, they, there were there were no advertising graduates. Of course, there were very few Mascom uh, graduates then, and uh, there were business. I was a business grad. There were business graduates. There was a lawyer. There was a nurse. You know, uh, people like that joined. They wanted people from diverse sorts of trainings and backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And the selection process was very rigorous. It was a three-step interview, three sessions of interviews. It was tough. They wanted people who could communicate. They pushed us during the interviews. They made us write essays, 500 words, uh, two 500 word essays in 40 minutes, that kind of thing. And you had to do a presentation. So it was tough, but um, they selected the, those whom they thought had an edge or attitude, as they called it, you know. Uh, okay. um, so, and then uh, I didn't join out of necessity. I joined because I liked advertising. And I haven't looked back since. I haven't regretted it because uh, it has made me what I am, and it has taught me a lot of things. Yeah. Yep. I think one of those things I remember as a child growing up is, of course, those very peculiar advertisements that come on TV and all, or even the cinema and all, right? Of course, <laughs> I think you and I probably remember yes. the Carlsberg advertisement that comes out in the cinema yes. and all. Yes. 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 Blonde lady, white bikini, and all that. Yeah. Come up to Carlsberg. <laughs> you yeah. know, the long, cool day. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I remember. Advertisement like those and, and all, yeah. But more on that later, we're going to talk about that for sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay, um, so now you were involved in both the strategic planning aspect of advertising as well as, you know, you were employed as also a creative copywriter at that time. All right, so uh, what were the job scopes like and what were the skills required for each of them? So maybe you can talk about, um, I don't know, creative copywriter first? Yes, sure. Certainly. Um, actually, a creative copywriter like what I was before starts as a young trainee because at that time and even till about 10 years ago, many people uh, joined the advertising industry from a different kind of uh, degree background. So right. we had a business background and the only qualification we needed to have was one, the ability to conceptualize and two, the ability to write. So okay. uh, we joined as at that time as a trainee writer. They called me a junior copywriter right. and uh, you would be working under the wing of a senior writer and you would take any brief that is thrown at you you couldn't uh, you couldn't refuse anything and i remember um to hone to to round me off um, i was thrown a brief to write for uh, johnson's ob tampons and i actually said uh, how can i write on this i ha i don't use the product and i don't have any experience on it uh, whereupon the senior copywriter who later became the creative director of um, of uh, Ogilvy, told me, turned around and she said, Lawrence, I don't drive, but I have done brilliant uh, award-winning work for Mercedes-Benz. So, so there you go, you know? I said, okay. 
and so I learned about it. And uh, well, you you had to do a lot of reading, a lot of research, right. and <clears throat> that's what uh, I, I I learned that the more you know about the brand, the more you know about the product. Somewhere in there lies an idea. Somewhere mm. in there lies something you can use to create right. the whole campaign. Yeah, and so. Uh, a, a trainee copywriter is basically a trainee because he has his work supervised first by the senior writer or the group head uh, or and the creative directors who one of them looks after the copy aspect of things and the other one looks after the visual aspect. The copy creative director or the copy chief would then look at you and look at your work. We typed it out on a sort of a new AA4 newsprint on our typewriters and he would go to his room, he would look at the, the sketches for the visuals and see how the copy fitted and then out would come his pen and I was terrified because he would massacre the copy. Oh, yeah. it's a red pen, was it? Uh, no, it was a green pen. It was a, a green, pen. green right. pen. So till today, <laughs> I'm allergic to green ink. So he, 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 would, he would massacre your copy and it said, write in short sentences and so on. And sometimes, you know, when you have to write 300 word ads for Mercedes-Benz, after halfway right. through, he would say, oh, this is not working. He was a very nice man. This is not working. Now you know how I want you to write it. You know, you've got all the facts there. Now this is the, the first half I've edited. Come back and redo it. So I won't have to redo it. I remember once uh, to do a poster for a Dunlop, uh, Dunlop tyre. Mm. You know, they used to have the posters with the sexy girls in the in the uh, tyre shops. And um, yep, yep. The, mm -hmm. the, client, the client said, uh, okay, this time we want a whole series of posters. So that would be my incentive was to be able to attend a shoot with six sexy girls. So... Uh, <laughs> They wanted six versions of uh, a tire, a car tire that right. had um, a very long mileage. You know, it was a Kilomax tire. Okay. And my creative director actually told me, I want to see 200 headlines with uh, four different ideas. And I looked at him and I said, yes, in two days. And so we just did it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, the training they gave you those days was they put you under a lot of pressure and uh, they gave you the basics and of course there were the Ogilvy uh, magic lanterns they were basically uh, like powerpoint projections and right. these powerpoint projections told you how to create advertising for automobiles they taught you how to create advertising for travel they taught you how to create advertising for food what was important and so on right. so um, that's why Ogilvy was such a great training place besides the books you had to read um, you know, uh, and also the the magic lanterns which you had to watch, you had to put into practice what you learned. Mm -hmm. There was a very substantial training program for all you as trainees. It was a six month program. Right. What our students do in their two and a half year diploma, we did it in a compressed six months um, after work every day and every a full day on Saturdays. There were lectures, there were workshops, and there were assignments. Right. And then we had our jobs to do at the same time. So it was tough. It was tough. But as a trainee writer, you know, they really molded you, like they pushed you. Okay. So these magic lanterns are like templates, is it, for you to be able to write on a particular industry or particular app pertaining to an industry? Well, what was it like? I, I wouldn't say they, I, I wouldn't be so uh, bold to say uh, that they are templates because templates are restrictive. Right, but right. you see, how to advertise food. And he mm. tells you that the most important thing in food advertising is what we call the Ogilvy way appetite appeal. Mm -hmm. A close-up of the food, perhaps cooking. Right. If you're doing cooking oil, you want to see a golden brown oil. You want to see the the, the, the piece of grilled fish turning brown and gold. You know, you mm -hmm. want to 
you want to mix it with uh, a sound effect, you know, like what they do for the McDonald's fried chicken commercial. Right, you know, right. when you hear the crunch when you bite into it. So close-ups, slow motion, you know, a lot <laughs> of uh, styling and stuff like that. So they call that appetite appeal. Right. Um, and that hasn't left me. And, you know, it's become a general rule for all advertising. For automobiles at that time, uh-huh. you know, you don't, you don't tell people what the features are. You tell people what the features did for them. If your right. car was a safe car, you didn't tell them it had seat belts and it had a steel cage around you. It told you tell people it saves lives, you know, and you can actually put your baby in that and you can walk away from the from the from the crash. You know, it was things like that right. in the 80s. Uh, there were still products with unique selling propositions. There were mm. still products with key benefits, you know, which made them stand out from everybody else. Mm. Uh, now we're in a whole area of parity and, and, and generic brands. So it, it becomes very tough, yeah? Yep. Um, but at that time, the Magic Lanterns actually were reminders. They were basically um, must-haves when you do certain types of advertising. For travel, for example, you don't talk to people and tell them how wonderful a beach is, but you sell the magic of the travel. You sell the magic right. of the beach, mm. you know, the, 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 the romance, you know, the what you do in the evening. You, it may be hot as hell, it may be humid <laughs> as crazy, you know, yep, but yep. you sell the romance of the resort, you know. So mm-hmm. it is things like that that, that really got us... Um, you know, uh, 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 very valuable assets for the advertising industry. Right. Many agencies would wait for us to finish our two-year stint there, and they would poach us. They would pinch us, right. and, and and it happened. They 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 couldn't keep us, and some mm-hmm. of us were sent to Hong Kong for advanced training, and oh. then they bonded us, and they wow. bonded us. So they basically the the other competitors to. O and M basically was waiting at the at the fringes for you guys to Correct. all right, you know, and, yes. and pitch you Correct. and all that. Right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It was nice for us because it was always all about money when at the beginning of your job when you're being paid a thousand two hundred ringgit as your back first then, job. Yeah. <laughs> back then and somebody yeah. tells you I'm gonna double your salary after a year or two years, you say, Oh wow, yes, you're earning a thousand five, he's paying you three thousand. That was a lot of money in the eighties, right. you know. Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Of course, yeah. But I can't imagine like what you said, you know, painstakingly, you know, doing a typewriter and all that. I think <laughs> these days, I think, you know, uh, tell the students of advertising or digital marketing these days that they all used to do this on their typewriters and they made a mistake with the green pen markings and all. They had yes, to be typed yes. all over again, right? Exactly, exactly. So when the word processor was invented and when we bought a few word processors, I thought they were the best thing <laughs> since sliced bread, you know? Right. It was basically a, a, a word program. It was mm-hmm. basically a word program which you could use, which you could use and it was just fantastic. It was wonderful and uh, we just loved it. You know? Ah, okay. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, typing and I used to, when I made a mistake, I would just move the, the, the bar back and I would type an XXXXX over it and I would continue typing. So, the X key usually got worn out on most copywriters' <laughs> typewriters. <laughs> yeah, you can see the printing on the on the typewriters. The X probably has gone off already. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. correct, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, on the other side of things, um, what do strat planners do? Well, strat planners actually are people who, as they say, strategic planners. We, uh, uh, they plan or we plan the whole communication strategy for the brand. For example, if let's say Maggie has a whole range of brands from their sauces to their noodles to their seasonings, uh, mm-hmm. the strategy planner is expected to create the whole um, plan for all these different variants from the advertising, the creative strategy to the sales promotion plan 
to doing the strategic research, the SWOT analysis, the whole market situation, the situation analysis, uh, identifying the competitors, so that when the creative people and the account uh, management people look at uh, the whole strategy, it is very clear as to what the brand is all about, right. who are the competitors, where it is going, and everything is put into one format, which every agency has a specific format for. Yeah. So okay. strat planning used to be called account planning. And mm. uh, then later they said, well, account planning sounds very arcane and very archaic. So yep. they, they decided to, you know, call it strategy planning, mm -hmm. but uh, not to be mixed up with strategic planning for large companies. It's not a business strategy planning, it's a communication right. strategy planning. Mm -hmm. It's just one part of that whole business. It's one large part, it's the P, the promotion portion of the marketing plan. And it is an extension of it, yeah? That's but it's right. a very specialized portion of it, mm -hmm. uh, which demands a, a, a keen eye a lot of uh, discernment and also uh, an ability to be ruthless with your words. Uh, a strategy plan that is this thick is usually useless. Uh, a plan that gives you everything with no focus is useless. But a plan that focuses something with one main big idea and tells you that in the creative, whether it's thematic advertising, mm -hmm. whether it's in the promotional portion or whether it's in the activation or whether it is in the events, everything carries that idea through. Now, that is a successful plan. The strategy planner actually develops the strategy, helps the creative people focus their thinking. Sometimes the strategy planner devises the big idea. It comes mm -hmm. naturally. Sometimes and most of the time, the creative people, the art director, the writer and the creative director have to actually come up with that big idea based on uh, uh, the, what the strategy plan actually uh, has. And uh, there are many different ways of um, creating big ideas, the zoom in, zoom out method, you know, some, mm -hmm. uh, and I teach the students the laddering method, the technique, which is the simplest technique, right. you know, and uh, it is used very extensively, but there are some creative people who are instinctively able to look at something and say, ah, I think we will do it like this or we will do it like that. What if we do this and what if we do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, there are people like that. And after a while, we tend to be able to do that. Yeah, Yeah. you develop uh, yeah. instincts here yeah, after a while. Yes, correct, correct. Mm. Yes, correct. So the Strat Planner actually, as his name says, plans the communication strategy uh, right. for the advertising. Okay. Uh, for the benefit of our non uh, advertising listeners and all that. So maybe you can explain what the big idea is all about. How would you define it? Well, uh, a big idea is very simply nothing more nor less, but a a new way of doing something old, something established. You know. Now, take uh, when you when you combine. Uh, let's say I, I have a, I have a I have a product for you, and um, and I give you all these facts about the brand. Now, if you combine the facts differently your idea will come out differently. Uh, a big idea is basically something that has never been done before. Something that will make you go, oh, wow, that is hot. You know, that is fantastic. That is terrific. Um, something original. Nowadays, you know, ideas are, uh, ideas are a dime a dozen, but good ideas are very, very difficult to come by. Yeah? That's right. That's uh, right. For example, I'll give you an example of what I call a really big idea. A big idea can be used for years and years and years. It, it is not just a lion. It is. It could be a creation. For example, um, Marlboro used to have the cowboy, remember? Marlboro right, Country right. and the cowboy. Yep. Mm -hmm. That cowboy, the, the personification of the cowboy for Marlboro, Marlboro, uh, Marlboro Big Country, 
is yep. basically a big idea. It was used for almost 50 years in Marlboro advertising. Yeah, mm-hmm. the cowboy represented masculinity, freedom, the open, the the open roads. You know where he would drive cattle and so on, and he right, would smoke right. a Marlboro. So that represented um, uh, for most American men what mm-hmm. they wanted to be: somebody tough, somebody macho, somebody independent. So that was a big idea. Uh, that was a terrific big idea. Another one was the Think Small campaign, which uh, BBDO did for uh, Dolden Burnback did for uh, the Volkswagen Beetle. You know, right. mm-hmm. it's in all the advertising annals, and it was uh, it won the best advertising campaign of the century. Wow. You know, uh, in mm-hmm. the Cannes Awards, yes, you know, um, and there was a series of ads. Uh, the first ad was Think Small. While at a time when they launched the car in America, when all Americans were buying huge Batman-like cars, you know, the oh, Batmobiles yeah. oh, with yeah. fins and mm-hmm. so on. This is a small manual, 1.2-liter uh, engine uh, car. You know, which could seat four people. It was extremely economical. They sold the car very logically, but they laughed at themselves. Uh, this is what you get. What you see is what you get. You know, and uh, nothing more, nothing less. And people fell in love with the car. The charm with which they sold the car in its advertising was amazing. Mm, yeah. Yep. So a big idea is something that endures. It, it goes on for a long, long time. Yes. Okay. I remember. Um, I think it was Avis rent a car, right? They came up with the mm. we try harder because they knew they were number Correct. two. And, yes. Uh, yeah. Our life Hertz is shorter. Number one. Yep. Hurts was number yeah. one. Yes, our life correct. is shorter, You're so right. yes. we try harder. Yes. Yeah, that's I, a big idea, you yep. know, and and it has stayed. It has become part of the Avis heritage. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yep, you're right. You're right. Okay. So moving on, uh, what would a typical day in the office for a, uh, an advertising agent would be like? A typical okay. work day. I can only say from the point of view of a copywriter and maybe a strat planner. All right. Um, Well, as a as a writer, you know, uh, well, I remember at, we were expected at work at eight thirty at Ogilvy. We worked from eight thirty to five, mm. with a forty five minute break for lunch, which nobody kept to. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> we, sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, the first thing we did when we got into the office was most of us were chimneys, uh, and smoking was allowed indoors then. So we would light up. Yeah. We would, uh, yeah, we we were working on the uh, Malaysian Tobacco Company, so we would get free cigarettes. Mm. So there would be Benson and Hedges, there'd be Kent, there'd be Paul Malls, there would be all over the office. And we, 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 as soon as my chair hits the, my butt hits my chair, I would start smoking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we would light up because, and then uh, the tea lady would be so nice. She knows you're in. Your cup of tea or coffee would be there. That was like heaven, you know. That was the first thing: <laughs> a cigarette and coffee. Uh, and, and of course, then there were the briefs. Uh, before I left, I would arrange what was needed to be done the next day. Mm-hmm. They came in job bags. There were job briefs with all the information, and there was uh, all the specifications and a specific template. You would right. actually look at that, and then uh, you would start thinking and conceptualizing. And you shared a sort of a, a, a workspace with your partner, the art director. Mm-hmm. So you would uh, um, you would then uh, uh, how would I say brainstorm and talk about oh shit. Uh, about the brand, but it was more shit than uh, brainstorming because uh, we talked a lot of rubbish stuff. You know, you were in your early twenties and uh, you you want to talk about this movie and you want to talk yeah. about that date and you talk about a lot of rubbish and then you say, "Hey, yep. got to work, like got to work." You know, easily amused. Yep, back then. Yeah. Correct, correct. Yeah. Then you talk about your work and uh, eventually, you know, you get work done. Um, and of course, the day would be filled with um, discussions, and then of course, uh, uh, a lot of uh, discussion with your partner, the art director or the writer. And of course, we would also then have to once we finish the work, the art director would sketch things out with his markers on a large piece of uh, um, 
layout pad and we will go and see the creative director. I go see him with draft headlines and how I would like to write the copy and uh, he would review the work. Uh, once he feels it's comfortable, he gets his secretary to call the account management people in the, in the office. Uh, we tell them what we were doing from their brief and there's a lot of, usually at that point when the idea is very big and bold, the account management people, will, will, there will be a huge pregnant silence because they would be afraid, they would be uncomfortable and they had to step out of their comfort zone to sell something to, a, to the client which they were totally unfamiliar with. And so I learned this and the creative director would say, ah, that silence means it is a good campaign. <laughs> and therefore, if it is a good campaign, you are uncomfortable and unsure. And the account director, no, 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 it's not that. It's, it's just that you're unsure. The creative director <laughs> would go again. Yep. So Lawrence and I will come along and present the campaign to the client next week. And uh, they would say, okay, very well, you know, but can we have a safety one for safety? And the creative director would then mouth a lot of expletives. Like he would tell them, look, you pay us to do great work and you turn down work that is not fantastic. And yet when we come and give you work that's fantastic, you are uncomfortable. I bet you one lunch that we'll be able to sell this with the client. So this is how work goes on. We make things fun. We take bets, you know, and or, or things like that. Or I bet you a bottle of Black Label, which was then a client uh, of, of, uh, of Ogilvy. You know, we had yep. Callback McGregor. So we would do things like that and um, in, invariably most of the time the account people would be too, too scared to take on the challenge right. because Ogilvy was a uh, was although it was an account management agency, mm -hmm. it was very creative driven, the creative guys had their way. We had right. our way and, and once we had an idea, <clears throat> I mean uh, come uh, hell or high water, nobody would be able to stop that idea because the MD says I'm not going to get involved in creative. And the account directors had to fight tooth and nail and the creative directors were men of great stature. So you learn to develop your personality. You right. learn to become a really big man, you know, and say no. Mm. It was like what you see in Mad Men, you know. Uh, right. What's his name? Uh, Don, Don, Don. Uh, what? I my mind. I <laughs> yeah. yeah, I slipped my mind. The creative guy, um, mm. the creative directors were like that. They wouldn't back down. Yeah. Right. Mm. So that means um, you're saying that even for the advertisers, your clients and all, right? Okay, they, mm. they would want a, a dangerous campaign that, you know, really stretch your creativity, but also one that was more vanilla, you know, safe, that pretty much toe the line kind of. Yes. You see, there were two types of clients. <laughs> there were the clients like Nestle who almost had a... For, for some brands, mm -hmm. they were established. For Milo, you didn't right. rock the boat. It was always about mm -hmm. sports. The mm -hmm. challenge was about what sport and what was hot, what was the blend and what did you want to push. At one time, it was football. Another time, it would be hockey. Sometimes it would be athletics, you know, it would always yep. be a combination of everything. Mm -hmm. And then, but for a new brand like Maggie, which had nothing to lose, then they had the fast to cook, good to eat, you know, right. and it was like amazing. Fast to cook, good to eat was a big idea, and it stays till today, you know. So, yeah, so that was basically, we found out insights like that um, from research, you know, and when you do enough research, you will find an idea there. Right. So, there were clients like this who, with certain brands, they would expect <clears throat> amazing work. For some brands <clears throat> which were established, you don't rock the boat. Ah, okay. And then there were the newer clients. Like uh, the early, later ones that came along didn't have big budgets, but Nippon Paint, they needed to have very strong creative in order to stand out, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and Nippon was the first to introduce an outdoor weather resistant paint, you know. And we would have headlines for, mm -hmm. ad, uh, for ads that said tough stuff, you know. 
right. and then another ad would say tough shit <laughs> you know because <laughs> it was like it was tough you know mm-hmm. uh, and we were all we played around with the word tough yeah right. uh, you know so it was uh, there were clients like these and mm-hmm. amazingly nippon paint uh, although it used japanese technology had no japanese ownership it was all malaysian oh really you know and yeah. so they were and i remember the marketing director was a, a really a really an amazing gentleman he mm-hmm. was just like Don't waste my time. Give me stuff that actually is going to make me go, oh wow, you know, and it's going to make my wife go, oh, actually, you've been doing some work, huh? <laughs> so, so, so he was an amazing Malay gentleman of the old school, and he uh, was just he expected he pushed us, he he encouraged us, and he pushed us. Then of course there were clients like Callback, who were you know as advertisers they expected some amazing mm, stuff. Right. I remember working uh, on a campaign for wines. Uh, the wine was a small brand called Jules Saburan, uh, and and yep. uh, it was a table wine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we thought, how do we advertise a table wine? And wine drinking in the 80s wasn't big in Malaysia. Right. So I said, Jules, huh? So we'll we'll give it. Uh, we'll we'll make it like as if you know uh, this woman talks about Jules uh, in a print campaign last night. Jules mm-hmm. and I had the most amazing drink, you know. And right. Jules did this for me. Jules did that. It was it bordered on. You know, uh, uh, something that was or scandalous. You know, <laughs> but we did a whole series like that, and um, the client loved it. You know, mm-hmm. so it is basically uh, it depends on the client. You got to cut your cloth according to what the clients expect. Right, right. And the mm-hmm. strike planners sometimes are very, very good at being able to gauge what is needed and what is not needed. And of right. course, if you've met the client and the client tells you, "Don't give me anything crazy," uh, then you know, you know, you have to be <laughs> a little bit more predictable. But when mm-hmm. you when you ask when you when he gives you a brief for a new brand, and usually the, mm-hmm. the, the junior team goes for the new brand because nobody cares. It has right. no money. And he goes. Also, oh, you're the new guys, huh? uncorrupted, and mind is very clean still. <laughs> okay, then you're not tied down by the Ogilvy way. Give me some um, excuse the expletive. Give me a mm. ball terror of a campaign, <laughs> you know. And uh, you would go back with some amazing stuff. So there were there were clients who were like that. Um, today, many clients are just empowered to say no, whereas mm. then there were clients who expected amazing stuff from you. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So basically, I think. The golden age died because people began to get very conservative. Ah, uh, okay. Kopitiam Conversations.